Hello and welcome to another episode of We, Us, and Ours. We are so excited to have you here with us today. Today is a very special episode because we have not just one, but two guests on this episode and I'm so excited. Today we have David Horn and Marty Balkima and they are business partners, business owners, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear about Calm Capital, what they've been up to, and I know you are going to be encouraged by this conversation. So without further ado... David, Marty, I am so, so very excited to have you guys here with us today. I know that everyone is in for a treat because from what I know of you two, you are just incredible and huge inspirations to me and to everyone, any, all of our mutual connections. So for anyone that doesn't have the pleasure of knowing you yet, I would love to hear firsthand a little bit about your guys' backgrounds um, and what got you to where we are today. Cool. You want to start, Marty? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, David and I have been friends for uh, over 20 years now, uh, really close friends and have a ton in common. And now we're uh, business partners over the last several years. And uh, so we, it's been fun for our families to kind of uh, be on a journey together and, and us as friends be on a journey together the last 20 years. I grew up in Michigan studying computer science and that kind of fueled a lot of my career. Uh, I've spent most of my time in the last 20 years between uh, Michigan and North Carolina. I met my wife there, uh, married, uh, have uh, four kids, seven and younger, um, three girls and a boy. And uh, they're, it's, it's really busy. We got twin, uh, twin two and a half year olds. So it's really busy. And, um, and uh, we just, yeah, we love to travel. We love boating and the beach and all that kind of stuff. And, and just always been fascinated uh, as my career went on, and I would get into, uh, you know, software engineering and things like that. I, I just, I always loved the business aspect more than anything, I think, and really uh, how the, 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 the cross-section of technology and business and how technology is solving problems in business. But then, you know, started, started really understanding that I probably wasn't cut out to have a regular job and, and kind of go to an office, which I don't know if anyone how many people do that anymore? Uh, but uh, I was definitely uh, trying to not be in one um, for a, pretty quickly uh, <laughs> from the time I uh, got into the workforce. And so that led, led me into obviously some entrepreneurial things. And maybe we can get into some of that today. But that's a little bit about, about me. Yeah. So uh, similar story with the exception of I didn't, I'm not from Michigan and I don't have a computer science degree or four kids. <laughs> so I, I grew up on the coast of North Carolina, uh, on the Outer Banks and had a dream to play golf professionally. Uh, went out to uh, the triad Greensboro, North Carolina to play college golf, did that, turned pro, quickly ran out of talent and sponsors and had to, uh, you know, get a job. But similar to Marty, I, you know, I was the kid that, you know, always had some side hustle or business, you know, growing up, whether it was, you know, selling, you know, snagging my dad's snicker bars and selling them on the golf course near where we lived or whatever. Um, when I was playing golf, I was playing mini tours and, you know, you, you'd play for a couple of weeks and come back for a couple of weeks. And anyway, on, on the 
on the way to one of those uh, tournaments, I uh, bumped into Marty. We started talking about golf and and business and and kind of this. Uh, we shared a lot of the same kind of dreams and stuff. This idea of like a location, non-specific lifestyle. You know that you're a little bit of what you're you're doing, Charlotte. And just uh, that led to just our our paths weren't very straight as far as like partnering up. But it was really interesting, you know, looking back on it. Marty kind of went into a corporate environment for a little while, gained a ton of operational and management experience. And I went in the like bootstrap feast or famine, figure out how to like get to the next step before you run out of business or whatever. So that when we, our paths kind of finally converged after talking about it for a decade and a couple of kind of failed ideas that we never were able to get going. um, That kind of combination is really helped us uh kind of get started our families are friends and i have two boys uh 11 and 8 you know it's uh it's been kind of fun uh, as we've kind of taken those unique paths and combined them into what we're doing now i love that one of our core beliefs here at this podcast is to make friends in unexpected places. Mm. And so make business partners in unexpected places. I think it's, yeah. it's great. A lot of people, they come into business and relationships with something set in mind. They're like, oh, I want someone that fits this box and you never find it. So mm-hmm. it's the the two new friends that come from different backgrounds and have are in different industries that can create some of the best partnerships. And how many businesses do you two own now together? I think it's like 10. 10. I think it it might be nine or it might be 11, but I think it's 10. (laughs) (laughs) Give or take. Yeah. So I got to comment on your interesting uh, meeting in interesting places thing just for fun. So I'm in Best Buy when back when people used to buy music in Best Buy and David walks up to buy a CD and he's, he's got his golf shoes on in the store. Like this is right. This is pre-digital music. And I'm like, why does this guy have golf shoes on? And so I said hi to him. And of course he was playing mini tours, right? So he's, he's like going to his next event somewhere in the Southeast and he is a big music fan. So he would stop and uh, buy the latest CD and uh, before he'd go out of town. So that's how we met. He was wearing uh, golf shoes and Best Buy. So that's a good one. Incredible. I, I absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> yep. See, those are those are the best things that's that start their friendships. And you'll you'll never forget it. You always have a special place for Best Buy in your heart because of it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so of all of the businesses that you guys have, what are some of the spheres that it's in? Like what kind of industries are they? Sure. So um, I think overall where we start is we look for uh, simple businesses that are pretty easy to understand. You know, something that you can explain to uh, anyone off the street and they're going to kind of know what it is. And so far that's, that's, typically been in software or creative services or technology services. Um, so we have a couple of software as a service products where customers pay a monthly subscription and get access to a piece of software that does something for them, solves some problem in their, in their world. Um, mostly in kind of a B2B space, we, we don't have any real consumer-based uh, products. It's mostly in the business world at this point. But we, we kind of follow... Uh, uh, a philosophy where we're, you know, we're looking for businesses um, that 
are, are profitable, right? Because you kind of have to make a profit to be in business. Um, and, and profit just allows you to do so many things. You know, if you're profitable, it gives you choices. It, it gives you the ability to say no when you should and um, say wet, yes when you, when you should, right? Um, they're also uh, purposeful businesses. So kind of what I just mentioned, they solve like a real problem for someone. That's, that's one of the things that we look for. Um, and then finally, which is a, maybe a little more intangible, but it's, it's patient businesses. So you're, you know, you're in Hawaii, you're, uh, you're kind of getting the vibe of a pace of life and the way people do business where, you know, and not everything's hair on fire. Our, our background in kind of consulting and services up before we started Calm Capital, and even still to, to today where we have some of those businesses, the, the rhythms of those businesses um, uh, are exciting, but they don't necessarily line up with the long-term uh, way we want to uh, be able to, to enterprise. So I don't know, Marty, if you have anything to add. No, yeah. So, so our main business uh, is, a, is a holding company, Charlotte, that's called Calm Capital. And we named it, obviously, very purposeful uh, or purposely. Like we named it that on purpose. We, we, we were trying to do something a little different, right? And we were trying to um, follow those principles that David just went through. But um, it's essentially a holding company that um, holds the companies that we've founded um, either separately or together or with, in some cases, other partners um, over the last decade or so. And, um, but our, our kind of growth strategy and our mission is to um, buy um, businesses that fit the bill that David was just talking about. So our goal is to grow through acquiring businesses and operating them uh, successfully. So we own a software development company, a software support company, a marketing and design company, and then several uh, software as a service companies. Wow. One's a Shopify app business, for example, or WordPress theme business. And so it's, it's pretty broad, but uh, they're all pretty, pretty straightforward businesses. Yeah. That's great. And I think what really resonated there was your commitment with being purposeful and patient, because that goes against the grain of so much of the business idea, especially in the United States. My background, I got a degree in international business. And so it's very interesting to hear how different countries do business, where I think the biggest thing that comes up in conversation with my friends, both in the US and other countries is vacation days. And mm -hmm. how in the US, oh, two weeks. And in France, they're like, you work the month of August? Like, <laughs> and <laughs> right. all, yeah. all those vast differences. And so I think it's really interesting that that's something that you staked your ground on that you wanted to do business without sacrificing and without fully succumbing to the grind mentality. So how did you guys get there? And was that something that you had decided from the beginning or had you hit that burnout culture first and said, yo, I can't do this? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at that. I, I would say that, yeah, both individually, um, David and I definitely, um, you know, we, we, we love, we, we have a tendency to err on the side of working hard and working all the time. So that's like our default mode, right? We want to, we want to get better at something. We want to go faster somehow that that's how we were probably both built, but that's not necessarily always, um, 
what's best or necessarily how other people around us are built. And so we definitely have to um, be very intentional about going, you know, working at a pace that's um, sustainable, I guess is the right word, right? Is, 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 and I think it's also um, the more learning and reading we've done um, together and, and discussing, it's like, man, a lot of really good ideas, a lot of good creative thoughts happen when you're not in front of the keyboard or not in a lot of meetings. And so really trying to create that space for ourselves, like as business partners, like encouraging each other to get away from the keyboard and go for a walk and, um, you know, go for, uh, you know, yeah, so just being outside or, or um, getting out on the water or getting out on the golf course or something like that doesn't necessarily mean you're not working, right? Um, that's a place where you can have great conversations, you can meet people, you can have that next really good idea that all of that could be a lot more valuable, um, uh, either to the, the growth of the business or a good idea, or you meet somebody that's the next good um, teammate for one of the companies or the next good customer or the next good you know, vendor or business partner or whatever. So I think it's just stepping back and like kind of asking ourselves like what is what is work and um and then also realizing like initiative is really important hard work and discipline are really important but nothing really big gets done because of one person right so like all the good stuff happens when we're helping other like almost like matchmake like we're matchmaking people who have gifts and talents and passions with work that needs to be get get done in the world right and the collective sum of of people doing that like like being able to do their best work um that's what's going to really make a difference versus like me working super hard and then therefore forcing everybody just to be like you know you got to sit sit in the office and work really hard all the time so it's i think it's just taking a step back and saying what are we really trying to accomplish i think one of the way one of the ways we arrived here is you know we're we're in technology and marketing and and charlie we met in at high point entrepreneurship group and i was a a judge on the pitch and a mentor on the pitch competitions and all this and the culture around especially business right now is starting things you know it's it's zero to one. It's, it's, it's selling out to the thing. It's working all the time to launch and validate and grow and scale and raise venture money and have a big IPO. And, you know, that, that's kind of a lot of the business culture that we, you know, find ourselves in today. And Marty and I did that and we were okay at it, but, you know, the more people we talked to, it was like their third or fourth one. Not many people hit it on their first one. You know, it's their third or fourth thing that they try. You know, by the time we got to our second or third thing, we we had wives and kids. And it's a different world doing a startup than mm -hmm. it is building a business and growing a business. They're different things. And, and so we, you know, over the course of a long time just said, well, what if we, instead of trying to start something and launch it, what if we found something that was already running that made money, like already had dollars that go in bank accounts every week? <laughs> and we take this decades of experience we've had doing this for other people. And what if we did that for ourselves? So that that's kind of one of the 
things that had us arrive there. And we love the, the startup, the zero to one. That just wasn't a race that we wanted to run anymore. Um, and yeah. so we were looking for another way. That totally makes sense. And I also think that there's different seasons of business that go with different seasons of life. So mm-hmm. both of you are married with kids. I am 24, single. I The only thing I really own is my car. So <laughs> I have the ability to kind of pick up and go anywhere. And it doesn't really affect anyone. So that mindset affects what I do in business because I'm at that point that I can take more risks because I don't have anyone depending on me. But there's those different seasons of business too. You're like, well, I have a mortgage. I have kids. I have a wife. We have a dog. (laughs) Any of those things. So I think that realizing that you can shift and say, well, we've done startups, but we don't need to keep doing that because that's all we've ever done. And um, I I believe you guys are familiar with Bob Goff. And we've had that Mm -hmm. conversation of just because that like fit you before doesn't doesn't mean it has to fit you now. And I think what Marty said that really resonated with me was for me, my faith is really important to me. And so that goes hand in hand with doing business as well. And like God calls us to rest that it is an okay, healthy, good thing to do. And it's the idea of pouring from a cup that's overflowing versus pouring from an empty cup. And so if you are living with the go, go, go grind mentality to the point that you have depleted your cup and you are just empty, then you're not giving people your best. You're not giving your business your best, others your best. And that doesn't add value to anyone. So I've been seeing that out here in Hawaii. It is a little more chill than I would be. (laughs) I went to a food truck and the sign said, hours, nine to 11, but sometimes 12, but we close often if the surf is good. And it's, it was this whole long <laughs> thing where I love it. it's like, yeah, yeah, you just, you gotta do what fills you up so that you can then be at your best to be able to do that good business. And the, the struggle of thinking that old school mentality that, oh, just because I'm sitting at a desk for eight hours means that I'm being productive. I'm like, no, if I can get it done in four, why am I going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs for eight hours where I can be networking? I can be having fun so that I'm energized to do work again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's also important along those lines and in, in what you're saying um, about your faith and stuff like that is I think the people that one of the things that David and I have, have um, focused on in our conversations and thus like all of these things we've done together and not just between the two of us, our wives deserve a lot of credit as well. They're, they're amazing ladies. And, but is uh, really defining what success, a successful life is overall. I think that's a huge fun foundational thing that we've both done is uh, work is just one aspect of that, right? Like our, our vocation and our career. And, and we, as hard as it is, we, we try to not wrap our identity completely around calm capital or or any of the work that we do necessarily that's so hard to do you know in, in the world we live in but we 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 try to hold each other accountable for that as well and remind each other of that and we want to be good dads right we want to be we want to be great dads we want to be great husbands we want to be great children all those things right so i think that that's also really w- woven into what we're trying to accomplish here as well right i also just i think we're both grateful people so like we really appreciate the mentors 
I would say that we've had, like, we can, we know who they are and we know the thing they taught us or the, or the lessons they taught us and how they came along at the right time. And I think that the, so yeah, just overall, like taking us to your point, Charlotte, taking a step back and um, not just completely wrapping everything around the, the career. Absolutely. I think what I really love about that is defining success, not just with yourself, but with the people around you too. I think that's something that not a whole lot of people do, but is a really practical way that no matter what field you're in, whatever age you are, you can define what success is for you. And I think it's really powerful to actually write those out and have those conversations instead of just, just thinking about it, but saying, okay, this is what's successful to me. Is it living in an apartment like this, having strong relationships? Is it being able to travel and not be stuck to a desk? Because success is different for everyone. And I think we, as a culture, struggle with that with social media because it mm. turns into such a highlight reel. But I think success is is so individual that you can't just blanket statement and say, oh, this is what success is. And we as a country do that and have kind of that image of the white picket fence, but mansion and the the really nice car. But to a lot of people, I don't know anything about cars. The thought of having a really nice car means nothing to me. I'm fine driving a Hyundai for the rest of my life. Like that's fine, but I want to be able to pick up and travel and go different places. So I think that defining success in your own life and with your spouse, with your close friends or someone to hold you accountable is something that also will help with the imposter syndrome that we all face, we all find ourselves into because you could think, well, I'm not, for me, I'm like, oh, I'm 24. Tomorrow marks three years since I've graduated from college. I'm like, well, I don't have an apartment and I'm doing this and that. It's like, yeah, but I'm out traveling Hawaii. I'm doing this. I've been to 43 countries. So when you define success for yourself, it's a great home base to go back to, to fight imposter syndrome. What I'm also, I guess, interested in, I want to talk a little bit more about Calm Capital in the way of how that has affected you guys and how you do business with others. Because I'm sure that's something that doesn't go unnoticed to the clients that you guys have too. How has the response been when you're kind of going, uh, you're swimming upstream versus all the other businesses that you're working with? And has that been well-received? Is it a little bit more tension or there, there's always something different that people will stop and be like, wait, what, why is it like this? Yeah. I mean, I think it's been well-received with anything, you know, setting expectations with yourself and with others is kind of the start of that. You know, I think um, what we've, what we've learned though, is you know, most of the time, especially when we were focused a lot on our services businesses, you know, everybody kind of defaults to whoever, somebody's going to lead the cadence, right? They're going to lead the way things get done, but that's usually out of default. And what we've learned is most, most people don't mind. And a lot of times like if we're kind of setting the pace and helping, we're almost giving them permission to not have to run with their hair on fire, right? We're, we're, we're putting things in perspective or hopefully communicating the right amount of 
urgency and importance, you know, how important it is and, and those types of things. I, I know internally, like with our employees and the people that are a part of companies that, you know, that work for companies within kind of Calm Capital's uh, portfolio, um, it's been really exciting to see people thrive in an environment that they've never been in, you know, that they, um, and, and this is not our doing because the culture and all of that is made up of the people that are in it and the experiences they have. One of the best examples I've ever heard of this is um, a guy named Jason Fried said culture is like patina. You know, it's not something you put on to something. It's the byproduct. It's the weathering of the, the thing. And I think our experiences plus finding really, really great people, um, having good mentors, you know, we've been able to, have a place where clients and employees and collaborators and partners are able to kind of come in and, and have a little bit of a, a breath and, and feel things are a little bit, uh, a little bit different and, you know, have the right amount of expectations, right? We're not, we're, we're, um, we have high standards and, and we uh, want to do really important work, but um, at the end of the day, we kind of realize where the expectations need to be set to have an environment where people can perform. And, and that goes for the client side and the employee side. One thing I want to pick your guys' brain about is that, so the way that we all got connected is through my, my friend, Adam, who's one of your employees. And Adam and I, our senior year of college, took a social entrepreneurship class. And it was very, very interesting because so much of entrepreneurship you think is just or from the surface level, it's all money oriented, this, that. And people think that the only way that they can make a difference if they want to in business is go work for a nonprofit, start a 501c3, which my first two jobs out of college were both in the nonprofit sphere. And I kind of realized that I didn't want to do that. I have a, a heart for a lot of different causes. I'm like, well, I'm not making a whole lot of money doing this. And I have to go all these different ways to get to this end goal. Whereas I believe that God has given me gifts for, for business. And if I can be successful in my own way, I'd rather just pour into these causes that I care about than say going and working for a nonprofit. So with this idea of social entrepreneurship and purposeful business, what are your guys' thoughts about, again, yeah, just per, having purposeful business so you don't have to go into nonprofit or your thoughts on like that it works for some people to be a nonprofit. But I think with you guys having the business skills that you have, but the heart and like the, the heart for these causes, I think that it's much more beneficial to go the route that you have gone. So not a lot of people do that. I want to hear about your thoughts in that. Yeah, so it's interesting. And I don't know if everyone will necessarily agree with this, but this is how I think about it is, you know, you, you can you can accomplish a whole lot and make an impact uh, just by uh, modeling uh, good, good behaviors, good citizen, good business, um, you know, modeling a, uh, a grateful uh, attitude, uh, modeling uh, hard work, um, doing the right thing, being accountable setting expectations, being uh, graceful and merciful. Like there's so many ways to just do business in a way that ends up 
helping a lot of people, right? I mean, for one, one of the things I think is neat about businesses and entrepreneurs is they, like David and I, a lot of times we can't explain much more than we just ask the what if question. Like, what if we could do this? And what if this would work? And what if we were to build this or buy this or whatever? And look at, you know, look what it's turned into. We, uh, our companies employ right about 75 people now. Those are a lot of people that, um, you know, that, that support their families and support their dreams and, and, um, and are achieving what they're doing um, through, through us saying what if, right? Um, but then also it's fun for people to be part of this kind of not being hair on fire culture because they, they start to just kind of learn again from the modeling of ourselves and some of the leaders that are in the companies where we talk like we're talking uh, to you today about, hey, what does success look like for you? Um, hey, being a successful parent or, or spouse or whatever is a good thing to do with your life, right? Um, taking uh, time to rest or taking time to travel. Those are things that are good things to do. You know, taking time to dive deep into uh, learning new skills and becoming an expert in something new outside of work is a good thing to do with your life. So I think it's more of just like, it's, it's nothing like it's super novel or anything like that, but it's just, it's just creating a culture where probably a lot different than a lot of corporations, right. That people are they're used to. So I don't know, that's kind of the way I currently am thinking about it. I'm sure it'll keep evolving over time. Yeah. I think too, just like specifically around the nonprofit or, or business, I, you know, I think about, you know, we're all called to, to serve, uh, other, you know, our fellow uh, people, I think like too often you're, you're like forced to pick a, like have a, like put a, like put your flag in the ground at a camp. Like you're either going to sell out to the nonprofit and I'm going to just, I'm going to forgo and sacrifice and, and give, or, you know, you're going to kind of go on the, the evil business side and, you know, capitalism and all that kind of stuff. But it's looking at everybody has time, talent, and treasure. How can we use those things to serve other people? Um, you know, like Marty and I currently, like right now, and we've had these conversations, like we're not called to mission work, right? We're, we see part of our role as rope holders, right? We're, we're doing what we can do to support the folks that are called to go overseas right. or go do and, and lead nonprofits and, and those types of causes. Um, that's the, it, that might not be <laughs> the way it is forever, but like for currently that is. And if there's someone on one of our teams or whatever that, that their calling is to go overseas or, or go support, you know, work in some cause or, or, or nonprofit organization, you know, our, our intent is like, how can we help, help make a way to, to do that um because uh you know the the work in itself is just work if it's not to the service of something bigger than yourself then it's um it's pretty pretty fleeting i absolutely loved what you said of that everyone has time talent and treasure and how we use that to serve others is what makes a difference i i absolutely love that i really resonate with it because everyone everyone does have their own unique things. And so I think when the world tries to tell you, oh, there's only these set paths where you have to do X, Y, or Z, 
it's it's just not the case and it's not helpful for people if and i think that people think entrepreneurship is one of the only routes that has a lot of flexibility that that's where it's like oh well there's really no set set path because it's entrepreneurship it can be whatever but i think that in a lot of other fields for anyone who isn't passionate about business because some of my closest friends are like i have zero interest in any of this like I'm a teacher, I am in public health, I am a doctor, X, Y, Z, but that they can still use their gifts to be able to serve others and help causes in a way that fits their lifestyle. One of my really close friends does a lot of work that um, helps the homeless and at-risk populations. And she, she got a degree in criminal justice. And so it's not like totally there, but I, it's still using her skills to further help people. And I think that people need to hear that you can do that in your profession, outside of your profession. And it doesn't have to be on this set path that the world says, oh, well, you went to school for this. So you're stuck on it. You got to do it. But what you both have said is this is where you are at this point in your life. And so you're not saying this is who you are as a, as a whole for the whole life of David or the whole life of Marty you're not this, but it's a chapter of your life. And I think that's really beautiful because you can, you can switch things up just because you started off in accounting doesn't mean you have to retire at 65 with your CPA. You, yeah. I read something recently. Um, the Kevin Kelly is pretty, I mean, he, I think started a couple magazines. Anyway, he, he does this really cool thing on his birthday where he publishes like a bunch of pieces of unsolicited advice it's great. Well, one of them on there, his birthday is in April. So he just published it last week. I, I still remember it. He said, you're as old as the last time you changed your mind about something. Mm. And I thought yeah. that was really stuff. interesting, right? Like you think about, like, I think about mm. my grand, my grandparents who have passed away, but I you know loved them dearly. But that was like, I, that's when you, I knew they were getting old. It's like they stopped changing their mind about anything, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. this is, yeah. and uh, when you were talking about that, Charlotte, that's like what jumped, uh, kind of uh, spoke to me there is, is, um, you know, things change, things change, right? People change, things change. Um, and uh, if you're not open or, um, it's not even open. If you're not uh, in a mindset where your mind can be changed, it's a, it's tough to be able to fulfill that purpose and to chase those things. I mean, you know, I think that's one of the challenges we face now in business and in just culture right now is that, um, you know, everybody's already made up their mind and no one's going to change it. And that's a, that's a tough, that's tough to work with. And, yeah. and a tough place to proceed from. You know, another thing, David, that struck me right there, and you guys were talking about um, uh, time, treasure, and that was a very and, That was a very Michigan way to say about there. It's almost Canadian, yeah. Marty. I'm pretty, I'm pretty far north. I've been here a week <laughs> back in the back in the north for a week. I know. You, you started to have a little North Carolina draw there uh, yeah. over, the, over the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm very confused. I never know where I'm at. <laughs> Um, but is, you know, 
so much of it is um, uh, for people is for me anyway, it's like overcoming fear. Like so many, I, th I think that's such a driver for so many people. You were talking about it, like, uh, like change and, and Charlotte, like, you know, not thinking you're stuck on the same thing you got a degree in or, you know, where you grew up or, or anything like that. But that is just so hard. That is the number one thing I think is, is getting over, overcoming that fear, fear of the unknown, fear of, of change, fear of the imposter syndrome, all those kind of things. Right. And getting, getting past that. And, and then on the other side of it is, is where uh, all of the freedom comes from, right? So like I was having lunch several years ago, uh, I just talked to a buddy that I kind of talked to occasionally. He, he reminded me of a lunch that him and I had had um, several years ago. And what he said was, he said, hey, I just want to say thank you because when I was trying to figure out if I was going to change careers, um, you helped me overcome my fear of change and thinking that job security was where I needed to be. And I said, oh yeah, what, what, what did I say? Cause I didn't remember, right? But he said, what you did is, is you, 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 you asked me, well, what is the value you offer, you, you have to offer to the world in business in this case? And he went through like all his skills and what he was good at, what people would care about. And I said, well, that's what your security is in. Like your security is, is that you've got some skills that you've developed been educated about and you've honed and had experiences and all of these things and the and the world will pay for that right they'll compensate you for that because people need your gifts and talents right and i think that i think that that's not necessarily tied to a degree you know that's tied to people's character and their work ethic and their accountability and their their generosity and, and all of those kind of things right and people people need people like that whether they're um, paying them to do a job or inviting them to be a business partner or needing them to work at in a mission or at a church or join a team or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, I think that that's super important. And on the other side of overcoming all that fear is, is so much freedom. Right. And you start realizing like, Oh, to your earlier point, it's not about a, a house or a car or anything like that. Right. It's really, everybody's trying to find that kind of, whatever freedom I think means to them. And that's really what David and I have, we're, we, we like to use the word optimize. Like what are we optimizing for when we're creating calm capital? And I would just say it's freedom, freedom for our families, like freedom that we can have abundance. So Dave, like David said, we can support causes we want, not just with our income maybe, but with our time. Like what if we do get called to go do something um, we don't have a hard choice between like, oh, I gotta, I gotta give this up. We just go, you know, because we, because we, so that's really what we're trying to achieve. And everything we do is really optimizing for that freedom, not just for the two of us and our families, but I think hopefully we're going to help a lot of other people achieve that too. Yep. Absolutely. And I think a common characteristic that was coming to mind from what both of you shared is just a curiosity for different things, a curiosity for things that are outside of your sphere, because it's absolutely absurd to expect someone who's 18 years old to know what they want to do for the rest of their lives. And yeah. I don't think it needs to be like that, but the society wants to be like, nope, you're, you're picking it. You're, you're signing off your name now. And I think that 
just having a curiosity to learn about things that you do or don't like. Cause that's, that's some of the best way you're going to figure out what you don't like is by doing it and saying, wow, this mm-hmm. sucks. This mm-hmm. is not where I want to go, but you can adjust and go from there. And like, so, like I said, I'm only 24. I recently got my drone license. I've gotten into drone photography and I've been oh, cool. selling my work. Yeah. And I had my first drone client last month. If you told 18 year old Charlotte that she'd be doing drone photography in Hawaii, I'd look yeah. at you like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but to have the curiosity to say, okay, well, this, this is interesting. What do I need to do to get a license? What do I need to get into this? And it's nothing connected to international business or Chinese, but it's, it's something that I'm really passionate about that five years ago, didn't know, I didn't really know existed. So I think that keeping a curious mindset to open up to opportunities that are way out of your pay grade or what you're doing can open up those things. You're like, wow, I really love doing this. It's totally different than when I have been, but I didn't even know that this opportunity existed, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. To add one more thing on the the freedom train there, Marty, (laughs) Um, you know, I think the other thing to think about the optimizing for freedom that I I think is important, um, especially these are things I know now that I wish I knew when I was younger, is that freedom comes within constraints, right? So Marty and I said, this is the way we want to do business. So we put constraints in that. Mm. And people think, most people think that freedom is no constraints. It's free for all. It's anything goes, right? But that's not the way it works. Freedom, mm-hmm. you have freedom within the constraints of your vertical alignment for, for, for you. And I think about there's the study they did where they had um, this big piece of property, big open field, and they built a playground in the middle of it. And there was no fence. It was just big open field. And they put kids out there and the kids didn't play. They just kind of like sat around. They didn't do much. They just kind of hung out. And then they took another group, same field, same playground, but they put a fence outside the perimeter a little bit. And those kids had the best time, played, explored, tons of exploration. They pushed the limits. They went all around the perimeter. They looked around because they, the, the freedom comes from having a standard, having something that you say, hey, these are, this is how we're going to live, work, play. This is the way we're going to um, mm. operate and then optimize for the freedom within those things that that gives. And that's where, you know, faith and um, mindset and all those things that, that Marty and I kind of talk about, like that's how we um that's the the context and the framework by which framework Marty's uh, frameworks and systems guy. I'm, I'm not. So, and so, uh, you know, that's how we've been able to kind of think through calm. And that is what Marty has done a phenomenal job at within calms companies. If I can kind of take this down to how this applies to business is Marty gives frameworks, gives the constraints to a lot of our leaders and then helps them have the freedom within those things within the businesses. All of our businesses run pretty autonomously. They, the leaders in those businesses make most of the decisions. We, we are not managing those folks. All we do is like help them set up the constraints and tell them, hey, 
here's your sandbox, have fun with it. Yeah, that's it. really good. And I think it's so important too, you're talking about faith and mindset and that kind of stuff, David, is, you know, how the general maybe population or whatever um, starts to get traction on all of what we're talking about today is listening to podcasts like this, right? Or just generally associating with other people, books, podcasts, um, conferences, um, small groups, whatever, um, with people who have the, the mindsets around um, what we're talking about today. And not necessarily that they have, uh, you know, have it all figured out, but just that they're, they're trying to figure it all out because there's so many there's there, you know, it just, who, who, who you spend time with and who you associate with and who you learn from, uh, is so critical. Right. So, you know, David and I, uh, that's, if there's one thing that we've done well in the last two decades is, is we've been fairly choosy about, um, what we listen to, what we read, who we, who we spend a lot of time with. I think that's super important. You, you are who you hang around. You're that's the Mm -hmm biggest thing that I remember Nito instilling in us in first semester when we took that class that he taught he said garbage in garbage out he said you are who you hang around and that doesn't mean you can't be friends with people but it's who you let into your close circle that you spend a lot of time with everyone has opinions they're they're cheap everyone has them but it's which ones you choose to listen to that you let hold weight in your life, those, those are what really, really makes, makes the big difference. And I think this kind of wraps into towards the end. I always like to ask one final question that it's, it's my favorite question to ask anyone and everyone that I meet. And I want to hear from both of you, but if you could travel to anywhere in the world, money, time, distance, none of it mattered, where would you go and why? Go ahead, David. Yeah, Marty has too many places because it's uh, you gotta. This is such a tee up for you, Marty. I know with with the way you're doing. (laughs) Uh, For me, I think um, New Zealand. (laughs) I don't know for for whatever reason. For as long as I, for a while, um, that's been kind of a a bucket list place. If anything happens in the world, the last place it will hit is New Zealand, (laughs) right? So because it's so uh, remote and isolated, but. What I, I think is, one, it seems interesting. Two, it's kind of like Australia, but doesn't have any of the deadly stuff. Yes. Which is a plus. The, that's the big one. I, I met some Kiwis <laughs> once, and actually my most recent podcast episode is about my trip to New Zealand. But someone oh, cool. was said, he said, I'm going to explain the biggest difference between New Zealand and Australia. He said, Australia, snakes. New Zealand, no snakes. And he's like, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. that's great um yeah so so i have a dream uh to um circumnavigate uh the world on a sailboat and have had that dream for a long time my wife um is has come on board with the idea and and um so we're good use of the pun yeah you like that and uh we uh so yeah so a lot of people that are or know me well, know that that's a, um, something I'm definitely working toward um, in the next five-ish years or so. Um, so my wife and I are going to sailing school together right now this year. And um, 
getting like all of our certifications uh, uh, on a catamaran. And uh, so that's really fun learning something like that uh, together. And we've sailed a, a lot in our lives. And uh, so to answer your question more directly, I don't know if it's one place, but um, definitely the, um, the South Pacific islands um, are, I'm, I'm just really excited. I've, I've done a ton of reading um, and a lot of uh, YouTube videos and all of that. And I'm really looking forward to just exploring all of the South Pacific islands that I can. So that's amazing. And that's the, the perfect living out the example of right now you're a CEO, but the mm -hmm. next chapter, a catamaran pilot, a captain, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. he, and they're in no way correlated, but they're mm -hmm. just authentically you. And I, I absolutely love that, especially because one of the biggest issues that I feel like I see with people, especially people in power and leadership is it's a do as I say, not as I do, but you guys both walk the walk and talk the talk. And I, I absolutely love it. And it's inspiring. Well, thanks. We really appreciate you having us on and, and Charlotte, you know, your curiosity and fearlessness to put yes. this out there in the world. I, I don't want you to underestimate the, the awesomeness of that. I mean, most, most people, 24, 34, 54, are not gonna have the guts uh, to put their kind of art out there in the world uh, like you're doing with this podcast. And you know, people are better for it. I mean, the people you're having on are, are great. Um, save us, we'll, we'll be the, uh, the one they can skip. But, um, <laughs> but we uh, really appreciate you uh, asking us to be on and it's been a pleasure. Wow, I just wanna give a special thank you to David and Marty, that was, so fun and encouraging and as someone who personally is really passionate about business the thought of purposeful business and really emphasizing a work-life balance is something that really means a lot to me and it's easy to get distracted in the world and think you need to get stuck in the grind mentality but defining your own success and paving the way that you want because you're the only one that has to lay down and sleep with your decisions and choices at night was a reminder that was very encouraging to me and I hope was for you all as well. Again, thank you so much to David and Marty. You can get connected with them at calmcapital.com and if you go in the show notes, I have links to their websites and LinkedIn. I really hope that you connect with them. They are some amazing, inspiring guys that are doing some great things. Thank you guys again, and we will see you all together soon.